Thank you so much for pulling up a chair and joining us for Dinner Table Talks. We have a lot to talk about. You can always learn more and help us spread the word all across social media. That's at our Dinner Table Talks on Facebook and Instagram. And for you Twitter users, it's dinner underscore talks. Visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com and send us an email at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for joining us. We are back at the dinner table and we are so glad to have you. I am, of course, Aislinn Campbell and with me is... Joe. Hi, Joe. Hello. Hey, everyone. Alrighty, so we're going to get started and we're getting back to that routine that we had before we did the ACL podcast. Uh, But just to remind you, if you don't know what the podcast is about, go ahead and go on back to episode one. It'll give you a little bit of information about how to find us on Facebook and all of that other stuff, but also just what's the point of this podcast? What are we trying to do here? And then I want to go back to episode eight. Sometimes I tend to get a little silly. If something starts to kick off at the beginning, I kind of stick with it. You were cussing like a drunken sailor? Well, I dropped that F-bomb, and it happened right at the beginning. Took me by surprise. And once it happened, I mean, it was just what it was. A dam had burst. And then it, and then it just became the episode, and, the, mm-hmm. and it was about the episode. So the episode is... A lot of our es- friends listen with their children, Aislinn. I'm sorry. Mm. Pay attention to that little E in case you see that E. Um, most importantly, what I want to say is that that is not what we expect the episodes to be normally like. That doesn't mean that that won't happen again, and we won't have the shitter dam from time to time. The what? shitter dam. Oh, God. We might have the shitter dam. But anyways, uh, let's not go there. That's not what we're about. And uh, it just kind of was funny last time. And I tend to get a little silly like that and start to act silly. But I know we've got a lot of other things we want to talk about today. So including, let's... wait for it, unanswered questions. questions. We have a couple of them. The first one, uh, one time, well, it's actually been two episodes in a row that we ended up talking about this one particular thing. And it was about eating with your hands. Right. We had a conversation about, uh, well, we had gone to an Ethiopian restaurant in our first day of ACL when we first got to Austin. When we were there, there was something on the table. Joe asked a question, why is this here? Was why there, is there a Purell on a table? And I said, it's likely because they want you to eat with your hands right. or that's the, that's how they eat is they eat with their hands. And so Joe asked the waiter to show him. And so there's a, actually a video up on our Facebook and on our Instagram and all that stuff that shows Joe following the directions that was given to us. My inaugural dive. Right. And so then later on, there was more question or more conversation about eating with your left hand, eating with your right hand. What is the rule? Um, understanding about that is... It is correct that there are many cultures where you do not eat with your right hand. Teach me. Yes. And so I did a little bit of research, looked at that, and then found this great article. It's called A Guide to Eating with Your Hands Around the World by Condé Nast Traveler. And the author is Gauri Chandra. While cutlery is foundational to Western dining, we know we eat with forks and spoons and knives and that's you know, you, te- you teach children how to eat with forks and spoons and knives. And the more formal the meal, the more silverware there is to use. Correct. I mean, exactly. all, we, yeah. we, we are a big culture of using silverware. Yeah, and that's, a, that's a, definitely a Western style of traditional way of eating. Eating with one's hands is normal across most of the world. And the Middle East, Africa, South Asia, and South America. In Indian cuisine, which is my favorite, we've mentioned that's my favorite food, you would destroy the integrity of a dosa... If you tried to use a knife or a fork to eat it. We understand that a little bit in America. I mean, we eat French fries and ketchup with our hands. Sure. He says, uh, she says, there's a reason why people use their hands to eat. It's not that people from certain cultures didn't have, have the idea to make tools. They had fascinating, complex inventions that they had made. So it's not that they didn't think of it or that somehow 
The Western culture was smarter. Hey, we can come up with a tool to use to eat this. The reason is, is because food is very, very personal. And I think that that's a lot of this podcast. That's what we talk about. Food is a, is a, is a central part of our life. That's why we talk about that, what we talk about at the dinner table and what we eat. What was the word that they used? It is personal. Right. Uh, communal, personal. Uh, right. Personal would be one-on-one. Communal would be doing it with, with more than one person. Be but certainly at our house, it's and, and when we eat with our friends or family, it is a we try to get personal. That's right. the whole point of the podcast and how we do what we do. And they, she also says, it's also just easier to grab the stuff than navigate all the sauces, breads, and rice with a fork and knife. If you do eat with your hands in Indian or at an Indian restaurant, and here's the part we talked about, make sure to use just your right hand. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said at the Ethiopian restaurant. Correct. Never use your left hand which is considered to be unclean. Um, Then they also talk about Ethiopian cuisine. It's a must. To use your hands is a must. There is no question about it. It's just how you do it. Which, so, of course, if we go in and they've got Purell at the table, I mean, because if you think about it, in America, if you've gone to an Indian food restaurant, they're putting forks and knives on the table for you. They're Americanizing their Indian food. Although a lot of people that eat Indian food will still mostly use their hands. And at that Ethiopian restaurant that we went to, we had to ask. Had to ask for forks and knives. Or did if, they, well, I did we because I couldn't use the utensil. Right. I couldn't use the injera, so Could we had to ask for that. So they're saying it's just, that's what's expected. Growing up, they all eat together as a family. Here we go, the traditions. You tear off a piece of injera, and that's the spongy flatbread used to scoop up food, which is u- utility bread, right? There shouldn't be any sauce dripping, dripping off of it. And I like this because then they say, and then you feed it to the person next to you. Oh, is that right? This is called Gersha. He left that out. It's an act of intimacy that harnesses the power of touch and food, and cutlery just doesn't cut it. I would have totally fed you if I knew I was supposed to do that. I mean, think about it. Like, talking about, okay, so Indian food, they said it's just personal. You don't mean, you don't use a, a tool to do that with. You use your hands. In Ethiopia, food is so important. I mean, I think that that's what this podcast is about. I think that's what I am about. And the idea that food is so much more important than we've given it. It's such, a, it's such an essential part of existence Do you get that a f- we ignore it. We ignore it. We treat it like... It's disposable. Yeah, and it's, it's quick not. and it's easy. And I saw that, a is, that is Western culture. It's just, it's just something you have to do. Over on our Facebook page, I posted a thing about the importance of eating with your family. Or rather, the benefits of eating with your family. And the statistic is that like 80% of meals eaten in America today are eaten away from a table with like 20% in a car. In other cultures, food is a production. It's a big deal. It is culture. Right. It is culture. I get angry with our city sometimes because there seems to be no branding thought and we could brand this city as a epicenter of South Texas cuisine, and we don't. For a city that is largely Hispanic and right on the coast, we don't have amazing Mexican food or amazing seafood here, and it blows my mind. Yeah, and I, I think, well, and, I, and I'll talk a little bit about my favorite food later on, but I think tacos, I mean, I think we've talked about tacos yeah. every single time, and I think that there is a group of people in this community that are trying to brand uh, tacos. I, you're right. And so we I, think that, I think we can add to that and just say, yeah, we, we completely agree with that. And so if that's, that's what's happening in terms of branding, then we need 
more taco trucks. And, and we, we all... need more uh, restaurants that are doing interesting, innovative taco meals. Let's go there. We Let's need a eat. billboard when you drive in, you're entering the breakfast taco capital of the world. Yeah. Because it is the truth. Yeah. yeah. We just don't say it out loud as proudly as we should. Yeah. And last but not least, they say in the Oaxacan cuisine, I actually don't think about it as eating with my hands. It's more like I'm eating with a tortilla. Okay, that's that matches our culture. Sure. Of course. I mean, yeah, eating a taco, eating with a tortilla. Um, your tortilla is your utensil. Okay, you think about it. In Oaxacan cuisine, they have the tortilla. That's their utility bread. In the Ethiopian cuisine, they have injera. And in the Indian cuisine, they have naan. And in each one of these, they also have rice. So they're using that utility and they're grabbing the rice and they're dipping it in some kind of a sauce. And they and she talks about uh, your mole, your salsa, your guacamole, all of those things that you use and that you're taking your rice and you're taking your, your tortilla and you're glopping, you're, you're not glopping, it's not the right word. You're glopping is a word that you have invented on this podcast and I think we're going to go glopping with. Glopping it up, glopping it up. So um, anyways, it says, in general, eating with one's left hand is not, in, in Mexico, isn't frowned upon as it is in Africa, the Middle East, and India. But anyways, that was the thing and I thought that that was a fun story and I think that you had some other... So last week, I recounted the journey of my baldness of course, which you had a large part in. And I didn't realize that, well, at least one person said, you've kind of put the treatise out there. I think every balding man should read this. I've got a balding guy in my life and it is a hard leap to do what I have done. But the fact of the matter is that men that believe that balding is a situation of weakness, I can't do what that other guy can. It's not the truth. You're still growing hair. You're just not growing it here. So grow it on your face where other people don't. Now, if that's not where you want to go, I still believe that every man that is balding, or if you have a balding man in your life and you just don't know how to talk to him about how it looks... Or, or oh, you mean like like people that are con- like letting that hair grow out or combing it over or putting on a toupee or whatever? Correct. Then you go back and you listen to episode You know what? Eight. I think that's generation. It's got to be generational, though. No. It's a struggle. It's a struggle that you will never understand as okay, a Okay, I understand what you're saying, but I also think that if you look around at today's generation, your age and younger, they're not hanging on to, to hair that they don't have. They're moving in they're that direction. They're going fat. Like, if they start well, balding... I may, be, I may be talking to people older than me that are that are hanging on to something that we, you don't think that we know, we know. Yeah. <laughs> you're wearing a toupee, I can see it. Here's a you-do-you, though, right? Like, you it do is you. A, it is a you-do-you, but... Get a perspective of someone that's just come to terms with where you are. So it sounds like you're talking to the wives out there. Listen, if you don't like your man's comb over, wives, tell him you're not in love with the comb. Tell whatever him to Vic that <laughs> scalp. Vic that scalp. What Propecia does do, and in the interest of correctness and completeness and how important that little bit of the podcast last week might be, let's get accurate. Propecia doesn't increase your estrogen. Propecia alters the too much testosterone that you have. We're talking about the same thing in a net testosterone-estrogen relationship within your body. And that's why some of the side effects of it are... Your erectile dysfunction? Isn't that the word they use on commercials? It's not just that. (laughs) It's also uh, uh, man boobs. Man boobs, yeah. yeah. The side effects of, of Propecia should scare every man away from using it. But that struggle... I will tell you as a woman, I will tell you as a... A young, healthy, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. I agree with go all bald. of those. Go <laughs> right. bald. Go bald. Own that and go bald. That is the answer right there. Again, you do you, but if your wife is sitting out there not telling you what she wants, that's more likely what she wants. Let's talk meals and conversations. Let's do it. Our dinner table talks, our dinner table meals. Joe, 
tell me your food. Tell me your food story of the week. My favorite food that we ate in the last seven days is a ca- chicken cacciatore that I made. Oh. I love Italian funny. food. I love deep red sauces. I love a thick, thick marinara bolognese. All of it. Yuck. You and I Yuck. agree on so much in our culinary tastes, but Yuck. this is one Iceland that we do disagree on, and I can't figure you out. Chicken cacciatore is a chicken cooked in a tomato-based, you know, red sauce. I put it over some pasta. It was it was durum wheat, good old-fashioned pasta for most of the family. We cooked you on the side a little bit of that vegetable-based sure. yeah. pasta, yeah, so exactly. you had that. And you ate it. Yeah, I don't like tomato-based anything. What's really. wrong with you? It's too, it's it's thick and sweet and any anything with a heavy tomato base i just don't like and i'm not that picky like what's about, wrong with you <laughs> I'm, i i say that i'm not that picky i like a lot of food i do not like heavy tomato based things i like tomato base when it's tomato creamy like tomato basil soup in this traditional cacciatore uh, was kalamata olives that you pushed off to the side ugh, Aislin, I, what's wrong with you i hate kalamata i don't really like you are the most much. open-minded eater that i know it doesn't taste good to me it's not what i like it's not my it's but not the what things I like. that you don't like Think don't about make even any like sense the, to me like heavy anything that's really heavy red is weird to me like like heavy red chili uh, enchilada sauce, I don't like that either. I don't like heavy tomato sauce. I just... So when we go to an Italian food restaurant, one of our favorite restaurants in town, we've talked about the Italians, Gente Marvellosa, their Italian food restaurant, you're never going to get spaghetti and marinara sauce. I don't... What's wrong with you? That's not 100% true. If he serves me up something, well, his, you... his stuff is pretty good. And if he serves me up something, I'm pretty much going to eat whatever it is. I think Americans make it too... Like, I don't... like. I've eaten tomato-based stuff in Italy from Italians making real Italian food, and it's never as tomato-y as the tomato-y crap Americans do to Italians. Do you do a pomodoro sauce? That's like the freshly chopped tomato. I like that. That I like. You don't like like the thick... Like a like ketchup. I, I don't even rat- like I don't even like ketchup. We know that. I don't like ketchup. I don't like that thick tomato okay. goo. You do you. I'll do me. Except you had to cook for me. I'm gonna have to re-eat. Yeah, that I know. Stuff. So so we, the rest of the family, which loves a good thick red marinara, deep cooked all day, throw some red wine in it, sauce. We don't get what we like. I don't. I don't know. I you've made some. You've made some good tomato sauce that you cooked all day. That was good. That mm-hmm. wasn't a cook that. That wasn't even your best tomato sauce, so I'm just saying. We talk about food. We talk about the talks that we have around the dinner table. Now, Aislinn, in the last seven days, what was your favorite dinner table conversation? Well, there's been a running dinner table conversation that's been going on now for a couple of weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Probably for a couple of years, and we, we, we finally got to the precipice of it, but... The story is that homecoming had arrived. And so there was a couple of things that happened with that and a couple of different dinner table conversations that happened about the homecoming dance and homecoming event and all of that. So my daughter is the only one that goes back and forth these days. She goes and spends half her time with her dad at her dad's house. This was a weekend where it, uh, homecoming fell on my weekend to have Lillian around. And you get to have all the fun that goes with a weekend like that. Absolutely. But I will tell you that one of the first stories, it's the dress, getting the dress. I mean, there's a lot to it. The dress, the pictures, the after party, the whole, you know, how are you going to get there? Who are you going with? All of that. And so dresses for homecoming, for whatever school events have been a thing. They've been a thing since sixth grade. And the reason is when sixth grade is when that stuff all starts, when they first start going to that. And the reason is because I don't like to shop. 
I know that about That's you. That's part of the reason. Also, part of the reason is is just finances and making sure that it always can work out with my finances and stuff like that. But I, I really don't like to shop. I, I the places that I shop is a thrift store, Goodwill. And then, you know, uh, out of town, I'll go to the hat shop or the boot shop. You know, that's like those, that's the kind of shopping I do. When and we so, go to a new city, when we're traveling around, going to their mall is not a oh critical part God, of our travels. no. I wouldn't even like, no, not unless I have a very specific need. And that's, you know, that's an interesting thing is because this is a specific need. And for whatever reason, in any mom with a daughter who's gone through this stage, at least this has been my experience, it's a challenging time to do that sort of like shopping. Girls want something the mom wants this and girl you know whatever and you always end up compromising or whatever but either way what has happened because of that since sixth grade she's now a sophomore in high school is that her stepmom has become the dress buyer and over the last year or so that you know I kind of started to get my feelings hurt a little bit about it so uh, you know I want to I'm your mom I don't care I don't even if I don't like to shop I want to go dress shopping I want to go dress shopping so we're at the dinner table now we're, you know, wrapping up all the conversations about homecoming, getting, getting to the final stories about this and that. She brought home her dress, beautiful dress. Over the years, her and her stepmom have... They do a good job They together. do a beautiful job. They, they, it, it works. And, and, you know, and I, and I can't be too upset about that because if they've managed together to work out a deal that says they can find the right dress that's affordable and it matches mom's needs and daughter's needs she looks Success. beautiful, then, then, then I'm going to let that keep happening. But she said, mom, that's our thing. Her and her stepmom's thing. And you know, the mom in me is like now jealous, like, Oh, like, no, that's, I'm your mom. I'm your mom. And Joe stepped up and said, Hey, there's a hummingbird out there in our backyard. I said, oh, I said that. No, look, I love them. They're around everywhere. They love my backyard garden. I don't remember saying that. Around. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. So my beautiful hummingbird daughter, <laughs> is uh jo jo okay so joe brings to the table joe aislin you don't like to shop yeah mom you don't like to shop o okay but but aislin why don't you let that be her and jennifer's thing that's not a bad thing okay you know what you like to do with her aislin you like to travel you like to do things you like to have those special moments and lily yeah mom yeah of course, Lily's like Jones in to go to like Hawaii. She keeps trying to like drip in my ear. How do I get, how can she get me you to You went take... to Hawaii a few years ago and, and she now wants she wants to go, to go on yeah. a tag along she with you and go... Paige. Absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, no, and, and, and you know what? I think that, that that was the compromise of that. And that, and you know what? Thank you because I can let that go. Well, I have a question. Sure. What was the problem? Jealousy? It, it's not jealousy. It's... Am I missing out on something? Number one, am I missing something, right? Whether you want to do it or not, am I missing something with your child, with your daughter, with your, you know, whatever. But you know what? No matter how much I don't want to be that person that cares what other people think about me, I have to admit, I think that it's that me feeling like I'm not, I'm not a good enough mom. Wherever you live, in this country, it may be different for you, but in South Texas, there are certain rules to how moms do things and there are certain rules to how dads do things and whatever. And I never follow the rules. And so for me- You have me, an interesting relationship with the rules yeah. that don't make sense. Well, and I'm weird too, you know? I mean, we talked about that as well. I just don't, I don't want to do it the same way. But I will tell you that last year she got taken to the prom dress shopping with her stepmom for her prom dress. You know, there's that side of me trying to figure out how to be a different mom when all the moms are doing it the way moms do it. 
you know? It's not your style to go to the hairdresser and the pedicure and the mall to buy a dress and the uh, no, along you know, with actually, the all, with the other mall moms that are doing the, all of that. I'm not even sure that it's not that. It's just that's not where we got. It's not where Lillian and I and Lillian and I got. And I don't know if I did that wrong or not, but it does. It, it, it is something that's hard for me to swallow. But I think the way you said it made it easier for me to say that's their thing and that's okay because that's what they do together right. and it works just fine. And her dad and her stepmom are much more enthralled in all that school politics stuff that I just don't care to get involved in. Why don't you give them the dress buying and we'll keep ACL with our kids? And I think you said that. Like, oh, we'll take them to ACL. How about that? You know? So, yeah, we'll do our own things with them. And then, so then the other story that came up with this homecoming thing and no, the dinner table conversation. I know where you're going. I'm involved in this one. You know, it started before the dinner table, actually. And I learned it started even before it started before me. And that was like sitting there after school, hanging out on the couch a minute, just catching up. How's school? What's going on? How, how was your couple of days? I haven't seen you, you know, tell me what's going on. And, and so all of a sudden she says, uh, <clears throat> so mom, um, there's this party after homecoming and granted homecoming gets out at 11 o'clock and I'm already a, you got to get home by curfew kind of mom. Oh yeah. Although, <laughs> yeah, you are. Although we've been, you know, there's been some stretching of that after football games and da, 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 And so it's always you know, stretch, stretch. Can I stretch it a little more? Can I stretch it a little more? We're going, we're, there's this party. Okay. All right. Well, um, who, who, whose house is it at? Well, so-and-so kid. No, it's not a kid I know. What, what grade is he in? He, he's a senior. Oh, okay. Are there going to be parents there? No. I said, okay, probably no then. And I, you know, and, and with me, I'm just kind of sitting there going, yeah, this is probably no, but let me ask you some more questions. Kind of wallering it around. She's already starting to get irritated with me because I've already said no, basically. And so she said, so I say, well, will there be alcohol there if there's not going to be parents there? And she's like, yeah, there's probably going to be alcohol there. And then I'm like, no, no. And then it becomes the, everyone's going. Everyone in my friends group is going. And I'm going to be the odd man out. And my brother, my, you let my brother, he got to go. And you know, all of that. And of course her brother was an entire year older than her when he was a sophomore in high school. That's an interesting way to kind of look at things in her. She sees sophomore year. This is what my brother did. Well, my brother was 16 and driving when he was a sophomore in high school and I'm 15 and a whole year. Mm -hmm. I'm still a baby, you know, basically. No offense. 15 yeah, I, is I mature. Got, I got that about two hours before you did. <laughs> right. So, so, and that's kind of where the conversation went with us was it was, Lillian, I, you knew that I was going to say no. I know you knew because of the way you asked me. And then she goes like that. Well, Joe told me how to ask you. And I go, oh, Joe knew about it. And Joe's like walking in the door right at this moment. He's like, ah, what did I do? Ah! <laughs> I walked in and I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> You weren't in trouble. It was just trying to figure out what had happened. And so as we're sitting there wallowing it around, now she's getting mad. Now she's stomping off and slamming doors. And at this point, I'm just like, okay. You know, because the thing about me, and this is, Cortland learned this real early. And he, and he always decided when, when was it worth the fight? The answer is always going to be no first. No. And then the answer will end up being yes. But it might not be yes as to exactly what you wanted, but there will be a yes in there. So I think she's learning. Because she got, she got up, she slammed doors, she stormed off. I said, okay, whatever. Then she came back. Then she sat down next to me with no conversations about anything. And then I go, okay, well, is it possible that everyone that doesn't get to go, and I'm doing the everyone with a quotation marks around it, everyone that doesn't get to go to the party could come to our house? Here's the deal, Lillian. You are welcome to bring anyone to our house at any time. Now, 
We're not going to do alcohol and we're not going to do drugs and we're not going to be in closed rooms by ourselves, but we, all we of your friends. Want, we almost want all the other parents to know that this is a safe space. Mm -hmm. And so those kinds of things are not tolerated here. Right. So that was the compromise. And she said, yes. And Joe yelled, now Joe's somewhat involved and he yells I from the one, other I room. I had one ear on the conversation because I had gotten in trouble before it started. And you were not, in, no, there was no trouble. Yeah. You were not in trouble. But he, he yells from the other room, I'll, I'll light a fire, which actually ended up being perfect. First of all, we had to clean the entire house or not fair. Nothing I cleans cleaned, a house faster than having guests. I cleaned a bathroom. I cleaned a toilet for my daughter. I, when she listens to this, I want her to know <laughs> I cleaned a toilet for we got the house ready. It was after already a full day of work mm -hmm. because it was one of the big work days for my girl local South Texas. That was the day. That's our. That's your organization's all day chicken coop tour. I'm yep. going to put a pin in that because in an episode or two, I think we should tell people about chickens Back, and, and our chickens. chickens. Yeah, yeah okay. let's do that. Coming soon. Coming soon. More stories about the chickens. So that was a big day for us. So we get home. Joe goes to the grocery store and buys the chips and the whatever, which I think is so cute because you know, like they didn't eat any of the chips. And I got what I, I was remember, asked to buy. I, no, but I remember that. I remember little moments like that when I was allowed to have people over to my house for a party. And I said yes to all of that. And it was not at all what teenagers want to be doing at a party. They're not eating chips. And, well, yeah, because since there is brownies, no, <laughs> since there is no, I guess I, you're right. I think I prepared no. for a seven-year-old sleepover. You did. And, uh, you know, who, who knows how old some of those boys were that came over and that she night. she doesn't know yet either. Cause right. she's no, 15. I think you're right. She doesn't know that it's so, not hey, going to be cool to hang out and eat chips and brownies. So ultimately what happened was I came home after the dance. Joe had gone and picked them all up. Brought them home. Uh, a few of them, anyway. Yeah. Brought them home. I opened the door, and three girls got in, and just this massive wave of, uh, not unpleasant, but just, like, perfume, you know? Like, the you said at one point, the girls' version of Axe. Yeah, exactly. It smelled <laughs> like three girls using whatever girls are using these days that is the female equivalent of Axe body spray. Right. For boys. Yeah. If I had if I had gotten three boys in the car, I would have been, poof, three different, three warring axes. So then when I finally saw the pictures, of the course, window. they were beautiful. 15-year-old, mm -hmm. beautiful, blonde. Not all of them are blonde, but beautiful, just minus blonde. You know, just beautiful girls and so And never mind curfew. And... I had to go back there and, and you were, guess what happened as soon as everybody got here safe? You went straight to bed. Uh, no, I wasn't in bed. That's not true. I fell asleep on the couch. Sure. Fair. And then I uh, had to come wake you up to say, what time are we kicking everybody out? here and you said 1 30 and I said okay and I went back and I said hey I want everybody out of here by two yeah and uh that happened well and that was the thing I was going to say about the fire pit because yeah. it was literally 80 degrees at, at when I offered to do at the 11 o'clock at night it was 80 degrees when I offered to do the fire pit it would have totally made sense we have a fire pit in our backyard it was one of the first things we put in after we moved in just we got on nights and at this time of the year when the weather's right we throw a fire up and invite our friends over yeah. And the weather was perfect when I suggested the fire pit. Then I came back, found firewood. Yeah, that was another thing. You went around town finding firewood. Because it's not, it, it's These a weird seasonal thing. These are the things that were thing. done for the 15-year-old right. so that she could have a compromise said, to hey, not getting to go to the party. It's going to be 80 degrees outside. Do you still want me to do the fire pit? And she said yes, because her plan all along was to avoid inside Sit where the parents the are going to be. Yeah. And they had a great time. Yeah, and you had the fire pit to check on every few minutes or so to peek around and not, not spying on your kids. Just got to make sure the fire pit's okay. Oh, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Breathe on me. Yeah, exactly. 
So that was, you know, that's that's the homecoming thing, and that's the teenage daughters in our house, and not to make anything hard on anybody or have any tell any stories that aren't real, but and, that's just what it's like having teenage daughters in the house. And you're right, it do- has dominated the conversation around the dinner table for a few weeks, but now here's another question for you. Over the last seven days, what was your favorite meal of the week? Well, maybe a month or so ago, when we, we were kind of making some hauls on some good meat from our from the farmer's market, right. you picked up a really nice brisket. I did. And I love brisket, and I don't hardly ever get to eat that. Or at least I guess I'm now I'm eating brisket more than I ate brisket three years ago. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having, which has become the regular routine at this point now, we're having brisket tacos one night, and I'm eating brisket and barbecue sauce, which you made, that barbecue sauce you made was really good. Thank you. Did you do a copycat of our Joe Cotton's barbecue sauce? Yes, I made the barbecue sauce. It's not hard to do to make your own barbecue sauce, and... By now, if you've listened to at least two or three episodes, you know we don't like to buy things in jars that we can do ourselves. I hardly like any barbecue sauce that comes in a jar because I don't like that thick tomatoey like we talked about. Like I don't like anything that's thick and tomatoey. Right. It's super sweet. I'll post my oven brisket recipe up on Facebook that includes the sauce. So if you, you know, go to our Facebook page. My question to you, I'm oven cooking the briskets. Uh-huh. I'm not smoking the brisket all day on a Saturday. I get up at 5 a.m. Yeah, that's fine. Are you sure? That's the way my grandmother used to do it. Well, well, that's not true. She always finished everything. On well, the... you know our time she commitments. She finished everything. I think you should get a. Gr- I think you should use a grill more than you do. You never cook anything on the grill it's all or time. in the pit. I should use the grill more. It's all a thing about time and the time required to prepare a meal when you use a grill as opposed to uh, cooking indoors. It's priority. That's that. It's it's just that's <sighs> not a no. That is a priority. Think about it. I'm gonna you give you. You know my schedule better than anyone. That's Where fine. am I gonna carve that time into it? If that was a priority to you, you would oh. because that's. If we We're, weren't cursing in this episode, we you would podcasts, get a mouthful. We make podcasts. You record. You, uh, okay, you, so let's stop the podcast so that I can get the no, smoker going for you. No, I'm just saying that no, there I'm are people around. in Corpus Christi that barbecue their whole life away, and I promise they don't have a ton of time to barbecue. Half of it is your or fault. more time. Half of it is your fault because a couple of Christmases ago, you bought me one of the best gifts you ever gave me, which is a cast iron half a griddle on one side and faux grill on the other side, and that allows me to put the marks of a grill on meat. Yeah, it's nice. So we had brisket. Brisket tacos, brisket for lunch, brisket, brisket on, on, the potato, potato, yeah. on the baked potato, which is like, we're starting to get into routines of make the meat and use it in these. Many, I will tell you, the next time you make brisket, can you do something else, please? Sure. Beans. I want pinto beans. And if we can get some potato salad, man, like let, if we're going to do brisket, let's do okay, it right. I'll do the brisket. You do the beans and the potato salad. No, you do the beans. I'll do the potato salad. Okay. I'll do the brisket and the beans and you do the potato salad. Yes. As long as you cook the potatoes and you cook the egg. I have a prediction that another meal will be coming up on this podcast with those items in the not too far future. I like that. The traditional brisket. You know, a barbecue, like even um, pork ribs. I love pork ribs. Do you know why I don't do beans? Because you don't like beans. No. Because you don't know how to cook beans. There you go. Can't be that hard. I've got to go on. It's one of the foods that feeds the world, the bean. I completely agree with you that that is the truth. Beans and rice. Beans and rice. Oh, so nice. I'll post that where that came from up on our Facebook page. But I get good at something and I get really good at it. There's something about beans and getting into the world of beans. I love beans. That I like scares beans. me. I love them. I love them. Okay. I do. Give I me... like bean soup. Okay. I like like a seven bean soup. What is the intro to cooking beans? The pinto bean that you make with your barbecue. In the next three episodes. 
I can't tell you when it's going to happen because we live a very scheduled life, actually. In the next three episodes? Within the next three episodes, we'll be gonna, a report I'm gonna, I'm about gonna, the my first foray. I'm going to expect it's going to be in the next five episodes. Okay. I'm going to give you room because I know you. Coming soon. Coming soon. Joe's first pinto beans. Yes, and that... Um, so start sending me your recipes. That, uh, I, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm serious. No, I'm, I'm serious. You know what? Joe's I can guarantee for, you right now my mom is listening and I she's know. yelling, I can make that. T- I'll tell you. You can use your Instant Pot. Okay, so I can do... No, no, I don't want to use an Instant Pot. I want oh, to do them right. okay. Uh, she can tell you how to do that too. I want to do them correct. When I say the Instant Pot... I don't want to talk about an Instant Pot. Last time I talked about the Instant Pot, you just rushed me right the hell along. Balding? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now it's my Achilles heel. Okay. Um, I want to know, listen to me, listen to me, you listening right now. How do you cook pinto beans? I want the best recipes. Talk at dinnertabletalks.com or go to yes, our social media. social media. I need bean recipes. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you do. Why do you always take it to the gutter, Aislinn? You always take it to the gutter. Oh, I love this Ask show. Ask me about this my conversation because so I'm nervous about it. Well, well, I expect that you have some good teenage daughter dinner table talks. You already know where I'm going, don't you? Well, I mean, this episode might have been going there. Okay. Tell us all about your favorite, interesting, one of those dinner table talk conversations. I had a feeling that when this conversation came up at the dinner table, that you and I may have even shared a glance like, this is going on the show. Well, you better be careful with it. I know. Okay. I'm going to tread slowly. And I'm going to rely on you, my love, to make sure that I don't go too far or too quick or anything like that. That's what we call in the business a teaser. All right. (laughs) My daughter. She's going to hate you telling this story. The one that I took. She's going to hate this whole thing. Okay. Should I continue or do you want me to just cut to the chase? She's going to hate you telling this story. Do you think they listen to this? (laughs) You listen with them. I listen sometimes, yeah. Do we not let her hear this part so that I don't get in trouble? No. Maybe she's only going to think that I should be in trouble because you suggested that I might be? I see the way they respond when you talk about it. Let's cut to the chase. My daughter has her first boyfriend. My daughter is a jewel. I'm not concerned about our girls. I don't think anyone doesn't think their daughter is a jewel, by the way. (laughs) And if you do, you need to look at her a little closer because she's a jewel. Let me... Approach it from a different standpoint. Do you know how many conversations about sex I had with my parents? One, I was eight or nine years old. I asked where the babies come from. My mom must have told my dad, he asked, he asked. And uh, he brought home a book. I had to read that book aloud to them. The book is called, Where Did I Come From? What age were you when that happened? I was at that house, which meant it was prior to sixth grade. I want to say fifth, which okay, makes me think fair. I was eight or nine. That's fair. Okay. Because that's how I did it with Cortland. That's not a, that's not a sex conversation. That's not that's, a sex that's, conversation. That's, and it's happening at a, an age. My body's changing conversation. And it's happening at an age where you would be genuinely curious and then get way too much information than you're probably capable of understanding. And then by point Portland though... Portland read a book. I think we have a book somewhere around the house that right. I hang, hung well, on to because well, it was the book I gave I had to, to read the book aloud. Oh God. And then at the end, my parents said, do you have any questions? And I said, I'll post, a, I'll post about the book because... Oh, you've told me this story. Yes, I, yes. What was the question? Do y'all do this? Oh, that was the question? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was a different question. When a question. man and a woman love each other very much, and then he happens to this, and then he, da, 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 and then they do this, and then mm-hmm. nine months later, a baby comes. Did you know you were adopted already And at never this masturbate. Point? I, I knew that I was adopted, as they told me that. 
The moment you were old enough the to... Mo- yeah, I mean, okay. I've known that well, since the very nice beginning. Well, that's nice of them. They gave me a book. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's the truth. There's nothing wrong with books. Right, right. Well, you, no, there's nothing wrong with the books. It just depends on the rest of the story. Sure. Well, the rest of the story is we never talked about it again. Ever again. I don't really remember any conversations with my parents about it, if you can believe that. Um, my mom may remember and I don't remember, but I don't remember. I mean, I remember her telling me some stories about things and it wasn't like I couldn't ask, but I don't remember us really having any conversations. America certainly put such a puritanical view on sex. Think about why movies are rated R. Right. It's not because they just smashed somebody's head in. No. You can get a <laughs> PG-13 with violence and limited profanity, but at the moment that you show nudity... The moment that you get sexual, you are rated R. We're a puritanical society, and we build these models where talking about sex with our kids or our family or even in general is too titillating, too offensive. Well, I the idea, I guess, the idea is if we talk to you about it, then we'll then you'll want that that that. If I give you the information, you, you'll go do it. Trust me when I tell you that teenagers have hormones that are making them want to do it, whether we're involved or not. Oh yeah, and I so, said to myself, <laughs> I know that, that is, nobody is nobody that's listening is not intelligent enough to know that. One right? aspect of my parenting will be full open honesty about this topic. Right. And so my aspect of that is I was a female who like bad things happen to females that don't know how to protect themselves. And I'm going to do everything I can in my power to explain to my daughter every bit of it so that she can do everything she can to protect herself. And still, she's going to have to make decisions about it. Right. I mean, what do the 14 and the 15 year old boys want to do? 16 year old boys want to do you told them what 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 do they want to do? I'm asking you forget the conversation we had at the dinner table. What do 15, 16 up to 18, 47-year-old boys want to do to girls. They want to touch your boobies. They want to touch your boobies. Touching <laughs> your you boobies day, is the gateway drug to the rest of it. <laughs> Why do we boobies. want to touch your boobies? Because in America, boobies are dirty. Boobies are to be covered up. I can see a, a scantily clad man except for one piece of his anatomy that has to be covered up with a bathing suit. Put a woman next to him, I can see a naked woman except for two pieces, the same part as a man. Uh And then the boobies. The boobies. If you're going to say to me, I can't do something, drugs, alcohol before I'm 21, you know, whatever it is, that's the thing that the human wants to do. Why are you forbidding it? Why is it uh, evil or forbidden or scary or... One day I went, I was in a situation where I was sitting next to a lady, didn't know each other, but then all of a sudden we started talking. Yeah. A young woman, late twenties, maybe 30 and somehow we started talking about, not really me too, but just, I mean, I guess that was because it was during the time that I was running. Uh-huh. It was in, I was in the campaign and we were just talking about partisan politics. And the way she was talking in terms of partisan politics, I would have thought she would have been more conservative than this. And then somehow we started talking about me too. And I, I thought, gosh, I'm about to get off on the wrong foot with this person. And what I discovered was what really what she was wanting to say was I got raised in the type of religious and conservative household, even if I'm a conservative personality. If I got raised in a religious conservative household, that you did not discuss it. Mm-hmm. You did not talk about it. It was forbidden. Correct. You do not talk about it. Welcome and to she my said, world. She said, it was such a disservice to me to know how to handle the situation. And so what I think ends up happening, and this is what this girl said, I said, I think what ends up happening is because we're not talking to our sons and daughters. And this was a thing, I think we started talking to our sons a lot about it at the, at the dinner table in front of our girls that were even younger than them. And that is to protect them from doing something that might be 
wrong, might be seen as wrong, might be, you know, whatever. If we don't talk, honestly, whether they're, whether we want them to have sex, we don't. We have to teach them how to protect themselves from getting into a situation that creates a problem. And that's exactly and where that's I was going. And that's how you get into this me too mm-hmm. crap. And that's how you get into boys getting accused of, you know, whatever. Because no one's told them how to do it or not do it. A girl her age. Okay, so she has a, she got a little boyfriend. She, no one's driving. It's all social media based. And I'm not concerned about that portion of it. I also trust my daughter that she would make the right decisions, period. Right. As a woman, I want you to give it value. I want to tell you that what you have is precious and special. And men, maybe that's the same thing, but women are creators. Our body is physically made special to make something special. We are special. We are creatives. We are creators. Protect it with all you have until the timing is perfectly right and you understand what you're doing. And if you're not, if we don't have a conversation with them up front about it, they don't know how to protect it. Well, that said, and I completely agree with you. After I had learned that the boyfriend exists, and I sat down at the dinner table, and I had given this a lot of thought. Really? Yes. <laughs> I'm over here, like, laughing at you and, like... Oh, you got mad at me. Like... Because you didn't know what I was doing, and well, you I don't thought know I was you, being like, gross. You don't know how to say it, right? Don't I, say that, I, I Dad. I said the first thing... Because here's what I know. If it's not this boy, this boy's great. It's his buddy in the locker room. Someone... In their little, in, in any little boy circle, is more assertive, assertive more than other friends. <laughs> and I'm just going back to anecdotally my little clique. You, know, you had the guy that that's all he talked about, and the well, guy, the other guys that were like, "Well, I'm in no hurry at all." So I just sat down and I said, "The first thing a boy wants is going to try to do with you is touch your boobies." And and, oh, and he no, and she was like, "Dad, that it's not even like that of anymore." Course of like, course, it's not like that. I might not be talking about your fourteen-year-old year. I might not be talking about like your fifteen-year-old year. But the moment that you're in a car with a boy, I want to equip you as to what his strategy and tactics will be if he's that kind of and boy. And then we talked about riding in cars with boys. Yes, and we I was did. like, the last place I ever want you to be is in a car with a boy by yourself, mm-hmm. like ever. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the place. Parking is a thing. It's still a thing. It is your freedom in a car. When you get that license and you're driving, you feel free. You feel freer than you ever have. And when you start going on dates with boys and girls in a car together, or boys and boys or girls and girls, whatever it's all about, then that is where you've got the opportunity, usually first. Here's where you can't tell them. I gave her the boy playbook. Here's where, yeah, give them the, that's, give them the boy play. You're right. I gave her the boy playbook. That's right. And the first thing we want to do is, is, is touch your boobies. And then after the shock of all that, and then the next thing we want to do is put their hand down your pants. And it's just and she's what like, oh. it is. <laughs> but protect it because why? Say it one more time and then we'll move on because this is awkward now. We're talking about sex and it's making me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. It, protect it because it's important. Protect it because you will wish you had protected it mm-hmm. when you're... See, advice it's, I gave the boys too. It's, it's like, exactly if, what we if said you to want, the boys. If yeah. you want to hear any wisdom that I've collected, it's that I wish I would have not done some things that I felt, what, societal pressure to do or ma- macho proving to do or whatever it was. not giving them the, fr- not like, we're going to talk about it because there's going to be just, it's not like, let me give you the, the very <laughs> sexual a, education. Go fetch and me a banana. Let me, yeah, it's not that to me. No. To me, it's the safety of knowing it's okay to say no. It's the safety of knowing I'm not old enough for this. It's the safety of knowing if it doesn't feel good, say no. It's the safety of, oh, the chicken just chased a bird. That was hilarious. I'm going to shut so that sorry. window. I'm so sorry. I can't, like, that, that was hilarious. That was, okay. Anyways, it's just the safety of... It's not time for that yet. Yes, you feel it. See, that's the thing. If we can't have honest conversations with them, if we can't say, I know what you feel. I know 
what it feels. I know I'm not it so feels, far removed. I know what it feels like to want to feel that. I know, but trust me when I tell you it's not time to feel that yet. Or even, and not that, not to say that we've had this conversation with our girls, but maybe we have. If it's, if you want to feel that, can you just like keep it to yourself for a little longer? Have, have we, did we, I think we did uh, with the boys. Boy, with the boys, it's always easier to talk about masturbation. Boys, it's like, yeah, we know what you're doing in there with the sock. You know, with the girls, it's like, oh, the girls, they don't do that. Well, what is that little vibrator thing you all of a sudden have in your room? Okay, we're going to have to put an explicit <laughs> on this one. Let's move on to table topics because. See, I think that that's the thing with the puritanical uh, bullshit. I was this isn't explicit. I this was, is the reality was, of raising teenagers. For sure. the last seven years, we have been doing teenagers and teenage hormones. In yep. our household, and this is the reality. So, if you have teenagers, when you know, the when the boys, your son first, and then my son left, I did not know what a sea change was going to occur in the house. Oh, I knew. Oh, you. What do you mean a sea change? What do you? What do you mean? How different the parenting shift is from boys to girls. From having a mixed bag okay. to yeah. only only females, it, and then I the females moving right when, into fourteen, fifteen. Yeah at that same transition. I think I also think it was easier with them here because there was they were more watchdogs. Yeah, there was more like but then also the girls have gotten to an older age. But mm-hmm. anyways, back to that, you know, explicit thing. I want to you know, I want to say that's that I think I want us to be able to say that it's not explicit to have that conversation. Not at all. And I it's think, requirement. It's essential parenting responsibility. Absolutely. That you know, I talked to Cortland on the phone today. And uh, he was just talking about, you know, everything's going great and he's still getting A's. You know, now he's into his third semester of college and he's got a job. And, and I asked about girls and he said no. And he said, honestly, I just don't really have time for it, hmm. you know. And um, it is. It is a time in, in college. Well, and so two things. Well, two things about that, him saying that. Number one, it's what I hear him saying is I'm going to focus this time in my life. And he's smart enough. I didn't get this. Our kids, I didn't either. Our kids understand the length of time that college and high school is compared to the rest of their lives. I did not get it. Just, Those four now, years were forever. Yeah. Cortland goes, where do they learn that? You know, is what, it generational? I mean, when Cortland and I were talking, I think that I was very clear about what it meant in terms of how close we were in age the whole time that they were together. So for Cortland to go in my mom's lifetime, and we talked about this a little bit today, she is a young woman and she has created a 20 year old man. That's how short life is. That's how short that time is. So I'm going to spend the next four to five years of my life studying and being prepared so that I can do those other things later on in my life. I'm yeah. going to do th- this. I'm going to do this right now. That's and I'm going to do this mature. right now. Yeah. And then he said that his friend had made a joke. Yeah, but you got to get through the, the pregnancy curse, you know, whatever. And I said, hey, you've already made it past the pregnancy curse. Don't worry about it. But that's him thinking about it now. At the very mere minimum, I've got to be older than my parents were when it, I was born. Or, it it you know. might derail my current path. If well, I, make... and I think we've talked about that enough. I've you, and I know you have because I of have your never, life I have situation. Said, yeah. You, you child are the best, most important thing that ever happened to me. Like that first step, that was huge. It was amazing. I would ne- I don't regret anything about you. I love you. You're amazing. Don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Do not let your life go that direction. Do it different. You're better than that. And so that's why these conversations are so important. I agree. Finishing that up, let's move on over to our table topics. My favorite part of the show. Is this your favorite part? I enjoy the unknown of it all. Interesting. You're holding a card. I've got no idea what's written on it. And you're going to ask me a question. I am. Are you ready? Would you rather live for a week in the past or in the future? 
Is it the last week of my life? I don't understand the question. That's the question. Read it again. Would you rather live for a week in the past or in the future? Like, would you want to know what it was like to be like, I would rather know this or man, this time was such a good time. I'd rather go back to it. I get to live a week of my choice and it can be any week in the past that I choose or a future week that is unknown. Yes, exactly. You know, I feel like it's a trick question. I feel like a psychologist would do wonders with this question, but without knowing <laughs> what the results of the... Uh, so if you're a psychologist out there, send the, us your yeah, results. Or, no, what does it mean? Like, if you, if the answer is the past, that means that you're more inclined to be this, this, and this, and if the answer is the future, okay. I think I'd want to pick a week in the past that I know that I... Uh, that's Is that the root of the question? Are you... You're thinking too much about it. No, I, I think that the point of the... Com- okay. Like a woman might say, no, no, I want to live in a time when women have, you know, when women don't even need men to have babies. Oh, it's not even your own path. Oh, that could be, you know, whatever. I think it would be the future. I think, I think that the excitement of everything that happens in the future from technologies that we don't know about yet that are coming our way to possibilities of something exciting. I think the future is the answer. Yeah, that's the, the the past answer means that there's comfort in it. You know exactly what to expect, but there's a fear in not knowing what to expect. I overcome that fear. My answer is the future. You? I think I'm a past. And and the reason is, is because I think that we've gotten to a, for, for whatever, and, and this is probably completely wrong, but something in me tells me there are no new ideas. That I'm not saying we can't create the idea we've come up with, but... Now we've gotten to a stage and what I, what I believe is we've gotten to a stage where every current thinks exactly what you think. Do you think? Yes. God. Okay. So when the radio was invented, they said the height of communication. No, but there were people that, that imagined that back then. Mm -hmm. They just said, there's no way that'll ever happen. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we've, you know me, I believe we can fly like, like our bodies could lift off right now. If we, if we really believed it was possible and it's if we the, had come the, up with the the, the limitations package. that we put upon ourselves prevent that from occurring. Right. And so what I'm saying is, is that I think I, I like believe living. I can fly. Go ahead. Do you? No. I know you don't. No. I believe we. I believe I can fly. I do believe Tomato I can fly. Tomato sauce and human flight are the two things that we disagree on. The, that, really? Uh-huh. I, I expect that we'll find more <laughs> over this podcast because I think about like the way we dress now. It's all the recreation of something that's already happened. You know, there, there, there is nothing new anymore. I disagree with you. I don't think that the tie, the necktie and the suit will be as important 50 years from now as they still are now. But we see the erosion of, this is a weird rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's fun. I like the clothes of the past. And so I think about that. Like I like the clothes of the 20s and the 30s. But ultimately it's something that you have seen and know before you make your decision rather than than some kind of unknown sure outside of the equality and the and that's coming from a white girl by the way the the equality and the um, ability to kind of do whatever we want you know uh, that comes from a white american girl that going back in the past would be really hard because i mean you know back in the 20s are you changing your answer no i'm not saying i changed my answer i'm just saying that there's a valid reason to think I could, I could say, oh, these are the things from the past that I love. Evolution like, is painful, but it's required. 
Right. Okay. I mean, think about the freedoms of gay marriage, how that's, you know, I mean, there, there were places where there were times where they were, they might've been, that's a good one. You literally ask, killed. You to, ask 10 people from a really thick cross section of America when it comes to gay marriage, would you rather go into the past or would you rather go into the future? And you'll get a lot of different answers. I can't wait. There's no way to go backwards on that one. I, not for I'm me. I'm talking about where not you would me. want to be. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm so, forward thinking on so that when it, Right. So when it comes, so that's, so, so that's where my mind goes when it comes to like fashion and, and innovation and all that. I'm like, nah, I could live with the things that we had in the twenties and the thirties and the, you know, whatever. And I wouldn't have even known whatever, but when it comes to the right, the rights, that's the one I was looking for the word I was looking for a while ago. When it comes to the rights that we have as human beings, equality, we, I would rather go to the future. Mm-hmm. There's more, there's more that needs. And that's why I say things like that comes from a white American woman. Because the rights that I have today, you know, we can't, we can't go backwards. I think about some of that sometimes, those conversations about going, I can't, we well, in cannot. In our last episode, you talked about how. Can't go backwards. How you're getting angry when you're in a room that lacks diversity. Right. And I think about that all the way back to like junior high when I went with my mom to Houston for a weekend. She was there for some kind of a conference and she said, hey, just come with me instead of hanging around the house all day. You know, at least swim in the pool and walk over to the movie theater and, you know, whatever. And it was the weekend of an NAACP conference in Houston. Coincidentally. It, your your yes. mom wasn't going to that no, no, when no. you arrived. She was there for work. Gotcha. This conference was going on. Every person on the elevator, everywhere we drove, all African-American people. Mm-hmm. And I did. I knew one African-American family in the school. I grew One. Right. Where this we grade, live, it's about 5% African-American. It definitely looks more than that than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm telling you, things have changed here compared to what they were when I... So that and that we live in a, a population that is like 51% Hispanic... Correct. ...means that it is... If I go to a place where it is all white, I notice it. In Austin, I hold it against them. Because that goes against what Austin tends it goes to against stand what for. It, and it goes against what Texas is diversely. But Maine, when I went to Maine and I was in the same situation and I'm looking around and I literally... Mostly Anglo a hundred percent all white. There mm-hmm. is no Hispanics. There are no black people. I go, okay, it's a different, like they, there's just. Equality hasn't caught up with the geography of the. Well, and what's interesting about that is they tend to be more liberal as it relates to that kind of stuff. Right. But maybe, I mean, those are all interesting conversations. Yeah. Why are there, why are we more, why are we more conservative in the South? That's the question. Why are we more conservative in the South? Oh, I thought that you had more to say. <laughs> well, why are we more conservative in the South, yet our population is, more is much more diverse? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's, I mean, you can pick it out like a difference between... It sounds like next between... week we've got... Unanswered questions. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else? We've been talking and talking. No, that's good. I like that. You know, I'm all full of conversations from the dinner table. I'll see you next week, my love. Bye. Thank you again for joining us at our dinner table. We hope we filled you up. If we told you we would share something, you can find it at at our dinner table talks on Facebook and Instagram. And for all those Twitter users at dinner underscore talks, be sure to visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com or send us an email talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We definitely look forward to hearing everything you have to say at our dinner table.